it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com. EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa, that podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two footed podcast. Today is Thursday. It is the 15th of February. I uh, hope you all had a pleasant Valentine's Day and hope the sky is as grey where you are as it is where I am. We had Champions League games over the last couple of nights Copenhagen won, Manchester City three. Uh, City went one up through KDB. Magnus Matson equalized. Bernardo Silva put City back in front and Phil Foden made it look more comfortable than it maybe had have been. City did dominate, had most of the ball, but 
never felt like they were fully comfortable. Uh, RB Leipzig nil, Real Madrid won. Controversy in that game after Leipzig had a goal disallowed for a shove on Lunen that was a bit innocuous. Uh, PSG 2, Real Sociedad nil last night. PSG were fairly comfortable throughout. They didn't even have to play well. Defensively, they looked a little bit wobbly, but, I mean, they come away 2-0. Uh, Sociedad didn't have any shots on target. I mean, I don't know what more people are expecting. Uh, Mbappe and Bradley Barcola with the goals. And then finally, Lazio won Bayern 2. I did say to watch out for that one. Now, the game itself was not great. Bayern with 17 shots in the game, none on target. That's abysmal. Dale Ubermecano sent off on 67 while conceding a penalty, which Chiro Immobile steps up and scores. Um, don't really know. Don't really know what to make of Bayern, if I'm being honest. Uh, but it looks like Thomas Tuchel is not long for that job. There's a lot of talent there. There's too much interference. There's too much player power. There's too many cooks. That's a simple fact of it. There's too many cooks. You've got players like Manuel Nauer, Thomas Muller, Joshua Kimmich that have far too much say in how the team operates. And then you've got several different layers of people above the team itself all having input. It's it's just, it's too confusing right now. I mean, they bring in Christoph Freund. He doesn't seem to have a whole lot of control over what's going on there, quite frankly. And you've just got all these ex-players and different people that are just getting involved and voicing opinions. And there's too much noise around Bayern. Anytime there's any noise around Bayern, you know things aren't going well. And as I said the other day, this is the worst Bayern team in a long time. And it's because of those outside noises. It's not the team so much or the manager so much. It's the other stuff that goes on. But as I say, there are senior players there who have far too much influence and no longer hold up their end of the bargain. Manuel Nair is no longer an elite goalkeeper. Thomas Muller is no longer an elite footballer. Joshua Kimmich has fallen off considerably. The best thing Bayern could do is clear all of those older players out, as well as some of the poor buys they've made in recent years, and try and start over. Um, we have lots of football tonight. Europa League gives us Galatasaray against Sparta Prague, Shakhtar Donetsk versus Marseille, Feyenoord versus Roma, Young Boys versus Sporting. They're all 5.45 UK kickoff. And then Milan versus Rennes, Braga versus Quarabeg, Benfica versus Toulouse, Lons versus Freiburg. They're the 8pm kickoffs. The teams at home tonight, they're the teams that finished third in Champions League groups and dropped in. The teams who are away tonight... They're the teams that finish second in their Europa League groups and therefore will have the advantage of the home leg in the second leg, which will be next week, next Thursday. From there, we'll have eight teams who advance. They will meet the eight teams who won the eight groups in the Europa League, and that will give us a round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals, and final. Um... Some pretty good games there, to be fair. Shakhtar versus Marseille figures to be a good one. Milan versus Rennes. Lons versus Freiburg. Feyenoord Roma, maybe, potentially, could be good. And I'm interested to watch Sporting play because I'm just always interested to watch Sporting play. In the Conference League, again, the home teams in these dropped in from the Europa League, haven't finished third. The away teams are the teams who finished in second place in their Europa Conference League groups, and the eight teams will advance to meet the eight group winners. 
etc etc so we have at 5:45 uh Sturmgratz versus Slovan Bratislava Olympiakos versus Fenech Varos Molda versus Legia Warsaw Union St. Giloa versus Eintracht Frankfurt Ajax versus Bodo Glimt Real Be- sorry Ajax versus Bodo Glimt is the first of the 8 o'clock games first four are 5:45 Ajax, Bodo Glimt, Real Betis, Dinamo Zagreb, Servette versus Ludogorets, and Maccabi Haifa versus Ghent. They are the 8 p.m. kickoffs. Again, a couple of decent games. Uh, Union against Eintracht, I think, figures to be a good one. Olympiakos, Ferenc Varos should be interesting. And Ajax, Bodo Glimt should be interesting because Ajax, obviously a train wreck, for the first few months of the season, they have kind of rectified their issues, but then they signed Jordan Henderson to compound some issues. And uh, they got beaten at the weekend, so they'll be looking to bounce back and uh, give themselves a good lead because no one wants to go to play in Bodo Glimt in February and have to try and get anything. So I actually need to go there probably with a couple of goal leads before heading to well, what is basically the North Pole. Um, So, yeah, lots of good football tonight. Not so good the last couple of nights. Haven't really enjoyed the Champions League this season, I must say. Um, Didn't really enjoy the four games that we had over the last couple of days. Felt like... Felt like there was just something missing. Now... Perhaps next week, when we get the other group of uh, Champions League games, perhaps then the games will feel bigger. But like PSV Dortmund doesn't inspire me. Porto Arsenal does. They they, they have very Europa League kind of feels. Now Inter versus Atleti and Napoli Barca, those I can get on board with. But then I am aware of the fact that Napoli are dreadful this season and Barca aren't exactly running away with La Liga. Inter versus Atleti is the only one where I'm thinking that's two good teams. Like Copenhagen are a good team, relatively speaking. But in the grand Champions League scheme of things, they're not somebody that's going to advance. Same thing with Leipzig, very middling this year. Real are tremendous, but Leipzig are middling. PSG, all the talent, but lots of frustration. Real Sociedad are decent, but nobody expects them to beat PSG. Uh, Lazio, they're pretty much mid-table in Serie A. Bayern, it's the worst Bayern team in a long time. Now, PSV have been tremendous in the Eredivisie this year, but Again, PSV Dortmund, it, it feels more like a Europa League semi-final type of match. And the same thing goes for Porto Arsenal. They're both third in their dis- respective leagues. What am I getting excited for? Inter versus Atleti is the only one that feels like a Champions League tie worthy of the name. Now, some will disagree. I don't really care if they do. This is my podcast and you can't come on and disagree with me. So therefore, I'm right. Um, we had a load of championship and League One and League Two football over the last couple of days, but you can check out those results for yourselves. Um, I'm going to go to an early break, come back. We have some questions. We'll do those. We'll do another break, and then we'll do news and gossip. So shouldn't be too long of a pod today, depending on these questions, which, like a dumbass, I haven't looked at yet. So see you after this. Right, welcome back. So, it is questions time. Let's get into it. Isaac Gilding. Xavi Alonso comes down with diphtheria. Ruben Amram can't live somewhere cold. Deserbi demands to bring Milner back to the club. Jesus, I'm not sure which of them is the worst. A body is legitimately found under Tommy Tuchel's porch. Nobody would be surprised. And Zidane can't understand Scouse. In this awful fictional scenario that prevents these five favourites from taking over from Klopp, who are the next managers down 
that you think Liverpool could look at who what is the best option? <clears throat> okay, so if we're taking all of them off the table, um that does limit the limit the pool. Matthias Yassel or Jassel uh, of Al Ali, who was with Red Bull Salzburg. I think he's one that would get consideration. Um, he's very highly regarded as a young manager. He's only 35. He's been with Al Ali since the summer. It was quite a shock when he took that job. Um, that might he might be one who'd get, like I say, consideration. Don't know how much consideration, but he gets some. Um. I think Sebastian Honus of Stuttgart, formerly of Hoffenheim. I think he's one who'd get consideration. Uh, another who's been at times in the Red Bull sphere. I've been impressed with what I've seen from him this season. Marco Rose, I think, has probably blotted his copybook a little bit too much. Oliver Glasner is worthy of a look, but again, I'm not sure how much of a look he would actually get. Uh, Michelle of Girona, you'd imagine, has to get a look, given what he's accomplished with them, given the season that they are putting together. Hmm. I don't know if Ernesto Valverde would take the job. I don't know if he if he would be willing to leave Spain. But again, he's someone you'd have to look at. Michel would be interesting. He would be interesting. Um, you'd probably have to take a look at Simone Inzaghi. Even though, as I've said before, I'm not a huge fan. I think you'd have to give him a look. I mean, it's clear he is a good manager. Uh, another one that I'm not a huge fan of, but I think at this point you'd be looking at would be Thiago Mata. Bologna are having a really good season. To be honest, the two names that I haven't mentioned, who are the two that I would go for before anyone outside of and and to be honest, maybe inclusive of the five that you mentioned, Antonio Conte, he's a proven winner. You know, he's won five league titles with three different clubs. He's won a Premier League title. He's clearly a great manager. And the other one is Diego Simeone. Now, I don't think he'd take it because I don't think he'd ever work in England, but I'd certainly go and I'd offer him the biggest bag of money I could find. I, I would I would take Simeone above pretty much anybody, personally. Um, I, I think he's the best manager, pound for pound, on the planet. So, I would look at him. And then the last one, who, because, look, Simeone's not realistic. I don't think Conte is either. I don't know if this one is, but this guy would tick every box in terms of he's a proven winner. He's won at a high level. He's won with multiple clubs. Well, he's won honors with one club, but he's had good spells with multiple clubs. That's what I should have said. I would be looking at Abel Ferreira of Palmieri's, who has had an unbelievable run with them. Back-to-back Copa Libertadores, followed by back-to-back Brazilian Serie A titles. Uh, He is an exceptional manager. Um, He would probably be the one... I mean, when, when Klopp announced he was leaving, Abel Ferreira was one of the ones that was in my top five. And he remains in my top five. I think he is a special manager. So he'd be somebody 
that I'd be looking at. Um, Matt JT, if Salah were to leave in the summer, who are some potential players, each of the potential managers could target to fill that role in the system? So, the Zerbi and Amram and Alonso, are, as I assume, are the three we're looking at here. Now, with the Zerbi, you're most likely looking at 4 2 3 1. So, it's a right winger in the three behind the one that you're really looking for. I would imagine someone like Michael Elise would fit very, very well into that role. I think Pedro Neto, because he likes to have that in, those wingers inverted. So I think Pedro Neto is another one that could do very well there. The other, th- the other two, they play the 3-4-2-1. And... I think for both of them, they would probably prioritize. With Alonso, I think he prioritized more of a playmaking midfielder. I think he would probably like Florian Wirtz in that role. So you'd have Wirtz and Zabozlai behind Darwin Nunes. With Amarim, I feel like he'd want more of a of a winger, a dribbler, someone that can roam from central into wide areas. And I feel like Vice would be the perfect fit to replace Salah for him. So you go Dom and Kvice behind Darwin. Hmm. and Kavicha behind Darwin would be special. Domin Verts behind Darwin would be great. Deserbi, you're looking at, say, Neto, right side, Domin the 10. I think he'd want a left winger walking in the door anyway. Because <clears throat> if you think about it, for Alonso, for Amarim, you're looking at three players. Left centre-back, left wing-back, and one in midfield. It, assuming Mo stays. But if it's the Zerbi, you're looking at left-back, defensive midfielder, and I think left wing. So he'd be looking for someone out there. So he might want Kavicha as well to play on the left along with, say, Neto on the right, which would probably give you the closest thing the modern game could offer to Aryan Robin and Frank Ribery. Could be quite fun. Uh, moving on, we have a question from Guy. With Moyes probably leaving West Ham, who would you target as manager and what players would you add to their squad for the new manager perhaps replacing Paqueta as well. So, I think Graham Potter is the one that makes the most sense for West Ham. He's a, He is a very good manager. The, the, the spell at Chelsea is going to colour a lot of people's views on Graham Potter, but I think he's a very, very good manager. Um... As for players, so let's pull up West Ham's squad. Ariola, I think, is, is fine. I think he'd look at Mavroponos and Agard as a centre-back pairing. I don't think Zuma is good enough on the ball for Graham Potter. Um... Midfield, I think he'd be okay with with Calvin Phillips and Edson Alvarez as his as his duo to sit in front. But I think he'd want two new fullbacks. Um, Paqueta, yeah, we're probably having to replace him. I think he's going to play Bone and Kudus on the wings. 
So we'll probably need a number nine as well. Um, so we're looking at a nine, a 10, and two fullbacks. I think everything else probably fits okay. So, um, so I think of a Graham Potter type nine because he doesn't, well, Graham Potter teams don't score a lot of goals, as we know, but he doesn't necessarily look for an out-and-out poacher type nine. He wants a nine that can be involved in the build-up play and contribute in a multitude of ways. A, a, a young version of Antonio would actually make quite a bit of sense for him. Um, but I want someone that can do both. I want someone that can score goals and be involved in the build-up play. So Ivan Tony would be an option, but probably too expensive an option. Now, the other option I'd be looking at is Victor Yacarez. Um, But again, he's got quite a substantial buyout, but we are selling Lucas Paqueta, so that can that can go quite a long way towards funding. Actually, it would in fairness, it would fund that and and one more player because you're getting a hundred million ish. You get you're getting somewhere in the eighty to ninety million range for Lucas Paqueta. So we'll take that. Um, I mean, would you go kudos maybe in the 10? And Jack Clark on the wing? I really like Jack Clark. I really like Jack Clark. So could you go... Yokarez up front, Kudus as the 10, Jack Clark left wing, Bowen right wing, and then sit Alvarez and Phillips behind them. Phillips as the one who's more involved in the build-up play because he's got a good range of passing. He's comfortable playing under pressure. Mavroponos and... Mavroponos and Agard at centre-back. Ariola in goal. I think Paqueta goes a good way towards funding Yacarez and Clark. So we're, I, let's just call it break-even point. So I'm just looking for two full-backs, really. Right-back, left-back. Hmm. For right back, well, the one I, what I would, the one I would default to, um, is gone to Bayern Munich, so he's no longer an option for us in Sasha Bui. I think I'd go Ar- Arnaud Martinez of um, Girona at right back. I really like his all round game. I really like the ability to slot in as a third centre-back when needed. So we'll go with him. And then left-back is tougher. And he obviously used Mark Kukurea as his left-back at Brighton. And then Kukurea was obviously then again at Chelsea, where he hasn't worked out. But I don't think we'll go for him again. Um, I want someone attacking, someone quick, but someone that can hold their own defensively. I mean, I'm tempted to go for the double dip with Girona for with Miguel Gutierrez. Um, what's the German kid's name? Germany, Luca Netz is that his name? Luca Netz is that who I'm thinking of? 
Luka Nets might be one for Gladbach. He fits the bill quite well. And he's got he's good age, got good size, he's quick, he's good going forward. But the the one that really does stand out to me is Patrick Dorgu. Who's getting a lot of hype and the, the the handful of games I've watched him play for Lecce, he really does look like he's got something about him. So you know what? We'll go him. We'll go Arnar Martinez and Patrick Dorgu as our as our fullbacks. And I reckon 50, I reckon 50 gets the pair of them. So I've got Ariola in goal. Well, sorry, Graham Potter has Ariola in goal. Probably going to want a backup goalkeeper because Fabianski's 39 before the end of the season. There's not a hope you'd be renewing him. Um, you'd keep Ben Johnson as a backup right back. And you'd keep Palmerius as a backup left back. You've got Oliver Scarles, Kalen Casey, uh, Zuma and Ogbena. I think you'd keep as backup centre-backs. So you're adding your two new fullbacks. That's pretty good. Midfield, you'd probably well Suchek and but and James Ward Prowse for depth is fair enough. Um, you'd probably still need a bit more depth in wide areas because they've obviously moved off Ben Rama. They moved off Fernals. But I think that's enough for one summer. So you go, Yacarez, could they afford him? Would would they spend that money, though? That's the question. Would they spend that money on one player? Even if they're moving off of... Moving off of Paqueta, because obviously they're going to get huge money for him. If they sell him... Would they be willing? If let's say they get ninety million, would they be willing to invest sixty-five into one player? Like it's a huge risk. It's a huge, huge risk. I think he's what he's the type of player that's worth it, though. But if they're not, then you're looking for. I mean, finding strikers that are going to score you enough goals is is tough enough. I think Yakarez is just one of those can't-miss types because his all-round game is so, so good. And I think there's more meat in the bone there where you'll be able to sell him and get money back. Now... Let's assume because it's West Ham that they're not going to spend that type of money on one player. Because it's it's a huge ask. Like, it really is a huge ask for any club. But in particular, West Ham, who might just prefer to go with a more cautious approach. So if we go, let's say we get 90 million for him. Let's say... Let's say we go Santiago Jimenez instead. Let's go with him. Santiago Jimenez as the striker. We've got our fullbacks in Durgu and Arnar Martinez. Do we go Jack Clark then? I think we still do. I think we still go Jack Clark as our winger. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to sell Paquette to bring in those four. And I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. Santiago Jimenez is really, really good. And weren't West Ham heavily linked with him in the past? So it may well be that he's someone they're keeping a very close eye on. But he is he's a star in the making. Right, uh, moving on. We've got a couple through Twitter. 
Alex, if you took the goal, the top goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, and forward out of each Premier League team, do you think the table would change at all? Oh, let me see. Um, right, so Liverpool, it's Allison, it's Virgil. It's Zabozlai and it's Salah. Kelleher, Kwanzaa or Gomez or Matip if fit. Jones, Jota. Like Liverpool, Liverpool would still be pretty strong. Uh, City, so you're losing Ederson. Their backup goalkeeper, I don't think, is as good as Liverpool's. They're losing Diaz. Now, they can go Stones and Aki. It's still not It's not quite there. And a lot of injury issues with, with John Stones. Uh, we're going to say Rodri as the midfielder. And then Haaland, obviously. I think City would fall off quite significantly. Uh, Arsenal... Rea, Gabriel, Odegaard, Saka, they'd be in significant trouble. Spurs. Yeah, Romero, Sar, or Madison. Madison, probably. And then Son. We've kind of seen this movie. I think Spurs can get by. They they wouldn't be great. They they would drop off a bit, obviously, but they'd be okay. Villa, uh, Villa would be in major trouble. They don't have a good backup goalkeeper, and without Ollie Watkins, there's not enough goals. United, uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> who knows? They've had a lot of injuries. Who's their best midfielder? Probably Kobe Manu at this point. Uh, it's Bruno. It's Bruno. Ford, Rashford, defender, probably still Rafa Varane. Uh, the goalkeepers aren't very good regardless. To be honest, it, the, the table probably wouldn't change that much. I think Arsenal would drop more than Spurs, for, for example. I think City would drop more than Arsenal. So I think you'd probably end up with something like Liverpool first, Tottenham second, Arsenal third, City fourth. And then after that, I think it would be fairly similar. Newcastle would be in bother. But then Newcastle went through a period of the season with a lot of their best players out anyway. So maybe not. Maybe not. But the bottom line is, Certain clubs would drop off more than others, but the table itself, I don't think, would change massively. Like, nobody's going from the top four to the bottom four or anything like that. Um, who would move up the most? Probably Chelsea. Probably Chelsea. because of More because of who the perception of who their best defender is. Uh, also in midfield, you're taking out one of Caicedo or Enzo, which helps the other one and gives the team more balance. None of their attackers are really worth talking about all that much. So, and they've got a huge squad. So they're probably the ones who'd go up the most. As far as who'd drop off the most, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like it might be City. Kind of feel like it might be City. Um, this one is from Lloyd. Do you think the Saudi Pro League will end up like the Chinese League? <clears throat> hmm. That's a good question. I'm inclined to say no. And the main reason for that 
is that the Chinese League was privately funded by large corporations. And when the government started to struggle a little bit, they started to direct those corporations in ways in which they could spend their money. But they also found out, well, they also had to call in debt that was held by a lot of those companies uh, like Evergrande. So I'm I'm inclined to say no, because this is more of an, I was going to say passion project, but more of an ego trip for MBS and such, some such people. Um, so given it's this is funded directly by the PIF, I, I'm inclined to say it's more sustainable that the losses won't matter as much to them as it did in China. I read today that Oscar was still getting paid 24 million a euro a year because his contract was signed before all the changes. So he just stayed there and wrote it out, uh, which is credit to him. Can't have been all that much fun. Um, I'm inclined to say no, it's more sustainable because of where the source of income is. And I, I think they feel like people would laugh if they were to just pack it all in the way the Chinese Pro League has gone. Uh, There we go. I will be back after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Right, welcome back. So, uh, news. Roy Hodgson has been taken ill during Crystal Palace's training session today. And Palace cancelled their press conference as a result. Hopefully that's nothing serious and Roy is okay. Uh, We have breaking news. Kylian Mbappe has told Paris Saint-Germain that he intends to leave the club at the end of the season. His contract is, he has an out clause in his contract and he's obviously been heavily linked to Real Madrid. Uh, That is where the expectation is, that he will go to Real Madrid. It's the move that makes the most sense. And it's the move that I think everybody has expected for a long time. Matthias Cunha has suffered a significant hamstring injury and will be out for the foreseeable, uh, says Gary O'Neill. That is not good news at all for Wolves because he's been tremendous this season. Uh, Jim Ratcliffe's deal to buy 25% of Manchester United has been approved by the FA and the Premier League. It is wonderful to see United fans trying to convince themselves that this is their saviour. Rangers have gone joint top, joint top of the Scottish Premiership after a 3-1 win over Ross County. And yet, when I look at the table, Celtic are top and Rangers are second. There is no such thing as joint top. There is first and then there's second. 
And while they have the same points and they have the same goal difference, Celtic are top because they've scored more goals. And that's just how it is. So Brendan Rodgers better get his act together because there's no reason for Rangers to be level on points with this Celtic team. Uh, Manchester United have approached Newcastle Sporting Director Dan Ashworth to join their project. And what's gone on in the time since this approach is the most drastic case of overrating a sporting director I've ever seen. Um, We had Henry Hank Winter writing love letters on Twitter, extolling the brilliance of Dan Ashworth, while no doubt sitting there with the St. George's flag or St. George's cross flag on as a cape. Um, We had Sky sending out graphics of notable major signings made by Dan Ashworth, most of whom he didn't make. All of the ones at Brighton were not made by him. Some were actually made before he even joined the club, but he didn't run recruitment at Brighton. And a couple of the Newcastle signings were also made before he joined the club. So not very good at the old research there, Sky. Uh, Moving on to the gossip, we've actually got two days worth to go through. So let's start off with Wednesday. Tottenham will move for Conor Gallagher if the 24-year-old fails to agree a contract extension. It is funny. the, The news of Tottenham's interest in Conor Gallagher was surprising to certain Spurs people that I spoke to about it. Um, Spurs fans who'd be well-connected and clued in as to what the club are doing. They were surprised by how much hype there was around Gallagher to their club. Uh, Newcastle and Arsenal have been, or sorry, are on alert after contract talks between Brentford and Ivan Tony stalled. Not sure there was any talks. This is Team Talk reporting this, so, you know. Uh, Brentford have identified Jonathan David as a replacement should Tony leave the club. So this was Wednesday, okay? And this was by Steve Kay, who, as we know, is an enormous spoofer. And within a couple of hours of that drivel coming out, Brentford had announced the deal for Igor Thiago, the striker from Club Bruges, formerly of Ludogorets and Cruzeiro, a 22-year-old Brazilian striker who will join in the summer for around... 37 million euro. So, yeah. Um, Manchester United and Tottenham are pushing to sign Jared Branthwaite, while Chelsea, Arsenal and Real Madrid have all inquired. I think it's fair to say he won't be at Everton next season. Uh, Enzo Enzo Fernandez has dismissed speculation he wants to leave Chelsea and says he's very happy. I think he's he's lying for the sake of posterity. Manchester City have agreed a deal to sign Savio from Troyes. Yeah, we've known that one for a couple of weeks now. Newcastle have joined West Ham in the race to sign Albert Goodmanson. Okay. Arsenal are losing patience with Kai Havertz and are considering selling the 24-year-old this summer. No, they're not. Bayern Munich inquired about signing Mikhailo Mudrik in January, but Chelsea had no intention of letting him leave. Okay. Uh, Dan Ashworth, Dan Ashworth. Uh, Thomas Tuchel is on Barcelona's shortlist to replace Xavi. Kylian Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe's representatives reached out to Liverpool about a move last year. Yada, yada. Don't believe it, but, you know, who knows? Barcelona cannot afford to appoint Roberto De Zerbi because they can't afford his buyout clause. Uh, Portugal right back Jao Canseo is working on a deal to sorry, his agent is working on a deal to keep him in Barcelona. Um he'd want to work hard. Crystal Palace have been frustrated in their attempts to persuade persuade Kieran McKenna to replace Roy Hodgson, but are hopeful he could take over at the end of the season. I did say all along he won't leave Ipswich while the season's ongoing and he's got a chance of going back to back promotions. Uh Tony Cruz has ruled out a move to Bayern Munich 
but has hinted he could come out of international retirement to play for Germany again. Germany could probably do with him, to be fair. Uh, Wolves could sell Pedro Neto to ensure they do not breach Premier League profit and sustainability rules. Uh, United are expected to reach an agreement with Newcastle to appoint Dan Ashworth. <clears throat> it's one thing. So Newcastle have a clause in the contract that would give them significant compensation. However, because Toon have been a little bit dastardly here, it's significant competi- uh, compensation plus a very long gardening leave. Like a very long gardening leave. Some have suggested it's over a year. So what that means is that, is that if United want Dan Ashworth to join and want him to take over pretty much straight away, they're going to have to pay a huge amount of money. Manchester United are considering a move for Michael Olise. This is nonsense. It's 90minute.com, though, so no surprise that it would be nonsense. But there's nobody running recruitment at United at the moment, so there's no way of knowing who they're looking at. United also want to sign Glaison Bremer from Juve. I'd love that to be true because he's generally dreadful. Him, him and the Gnome would be hilarious. One of them would be sent off every third game. Um, because the Gnome has gotten away with a lot since he came to England. But when Bremer starts booting people up in the air, it will become a competition. Martinez will want to prove he's the hardest man on the field and he will get himself in trouble. Barcelona have made Amadou Onana their main summer transfer target. Again, nonsense. They don't have a manager lined up, so they don't know who they want. Um, Onana turned down the chance to join Arsenal in January. Fair enough. Uh, Graham Potter is a candidate to replace David Moyes. That's from the Telegraph. Lucas Paqueta is still being tracked by Manchester City. That's fair enough. Uh, Liverpool and Manchester City are among the clubs interested in Georgi Sudikov, who's really, really good. Barcelona are monitoring England forward Lauren Hemp, whose Manchester United contract, sorry, Manchester City contract expires in the summer. Barcelona want 85 million for Frankie De Jong. 85 million, that's ridiculous. Crystal Palace have lined up Oliver Glasner to take over if they sack Roy Hodgson. That would be a great appointment for them. Everton and Crystal Palace are monitoring Ilhamel and Jai. Chelsea have offered a contract to Leon head coach Sonia Bompaster to replace Emma Hayes, who's leaving at the end of the season to take over the US women's national team. And finally, Newcastle may have another chance to sign Sunderland's 16-year-old English midfielder Chris Rigg after failing last summer. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think, excuse me, I think Chris Rigg is the son of a huge Newcastle fan. So, Toon might have themselves an in there. That kid does look very, very talented. Right, that's it for me today, folks. Thanks as always. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.